Father, as I share this word now, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would anoint my mouth, just my heart, my mind, and Lord, what needs to come from you would flow through me freely, and Lord, that would resonate with each and every single one of us. I thank you for that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go and make disciples. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, says the following. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching, say teaching, them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of age. And so this morning, I want to bring a word which I think is going to hopefully stir us up to understand the call of God on our lives. He didn't call us to be spectators. He called us to be participators. And that's why it's wonderful to be able to open up the platform with guys that we know who can come and bring words of encouragement. You need to hear the word of God speaking to us. But you and I have been called into God's army. You and I have been called into battle. You and I have been called into a place where we will serve God's purposes and the things that God is calling of us. And so this morning, I want to stir us up. Go. Go. It's a command with an instruction coming from Jesus himself. And the interesting thing is that Jesus was given authority over heaven and all of earth. And on the basis of this authority that was given to him, he was able to speak to those disciples that were with him. He says, now you go. And, and, and you need to know that as you go... That, that there are going to be certain instructions that I'm giving you that you need to walk out. And, and so I'm trusting that you're going to be stirred and encouraged this morning and that you will leave differently from this place this morning. When Jesus gave a command, what does it mean when you get given a command? And I want us to see Jesus as, as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Holy One of Israel, the righteous one who was sent by God to rescue you and I, giving us this instruction. And so what does it mean? It's firstly to give an order and an instruction to do something. And then Jesus breaks that down for us. He says, go and make disciples. What does it mean to make a disciple? Good question, Dimble Central. It means to make a follower a learner of Christ. You and I, as Christ followers, should be learners. I want to say to you, the day that you've stopped learning or you think you know everything, you and I are in deep trouble. We are constantly learners, and, and we need to be discipled. And we're being discipled by Jesus through the preaching of the Word. We're being discipled by Jesus through our connections and our com groups and those kind of things. And then at the same time, we are called to go and disciple others and help them to become followers of Jesus and to become like Jesus. And the thing about this is, is that God has amazingly picked you and I to do this. I don't know if we're honest. We look at ourselves. You know, I, I know many of us, I know I experienced it in high school and primary school. I was always the last oak in some cases that got picked for a team. It was like, okay, well, we don't need to pick you because you are the last guy, so you can now go to the side which you were supposed to go to. 
How many of us have experienced that? The thing is about God, when he brings you into his household, into this journey, he gives your life significance and purpose. And he says, I've handpicked you to come and serve my purposes. And so it's the most beautiful thing that you and I don't get left out. It's mind-boggling. So with that, as Christ followers, we've heard the gospel message going out, and we've heard the Great Commission. And one of the things that I do realize that as a church, if we really understand this Great Commission, then I want to say to you from the pulpit today, we don't need to do gimmicky things to bring people into the kingdom of God. Preach the word of God. Preach the gospel. Talk about Jesus. Have a conviction that Jesus is who he says he is. That's how the church started. Not with cake sales. Not with giving out prizes for those that pitch up on a Sunday morning. Trust me, this has happened around the world. If you come and you sitting under your chair is a number or a little flag, check under your chair, everybody. Woohoo! Somebody's won a prize. What a cool church. No, no. Preach the gospel. Live the gospel of Jesus because it's the gospel that will determine where people spend eternity. And that's how the church started. The gospel was preached. And so, with that, if we understand this, what that means for us is that the church, in essence, by nature, as we serve the purposes of God, we, one will sow, one will water, but God brings the growth, and he brings the growth because of the faithfulness of the people. The growth comes in us, maturity-wise. Spiritually, we mature, and we grow in the things of God. But then the other thing that God does is he brings numerical growth. And I want to say to us as a church, we're not into numbers, but we are. If we're not growing, it means we're not doing what God has called us to do, and we're not on his mission. And we need to understand, we're not on our father's yacht here. There are friends and family and work colleagues and people that we know that are destined to be separated from God if they do not get to hear the gospel. And our hearts should be on fire for what's happening. And, and I want to tell you, God is a happy God. He's an excitable God. His creation speaks of that. And so you need to look at your life and see what God has done and go, wow, I'm amazed that he would handpick me and choose me. I want to serve him and I want to make my life count for him. And I want others to know about him because he truly is amazing. He truly is awe-inspiring. And when I look at how he's fixed the pieces of my life and the things that he's done in me and through me, I want others to experience that. That's the heart of God. And so, as I mentioned, how the church was started. I remember in Brackenfell, when we planted in 2007, on the 1st of April, let the like April Fool's Day, we planted the church. We had 30, 40 people there for the morning, family and friends. And it was a wonderful meeting. The very next Sunday, the 8th of April, it was myself, my wife, and my two girls. Everybody had gone back to their churches, and it was just the four of us. And I remember leading worship, and Lee was crying the whole way through worship. I wasn't sure if it was my playing that was so bad or if it was just what have we given ourselves to because it was just the four of us, her, I, and our two girls. And I remember we, we went through the motions of worship, 
we, the kids sat on a blanket and were coloring in. And then I preached the word of God to my wife and my two kids that were sitting there. And I preached about Jesus being the cornerstone. And I preached my heart out. And we had tea and coffee afterwards. The only thing I failed to do was take up the thousand offerings because we had nothing to give. <laughs> but the point was this. When we finished and I'm driving home, we were dreading that phone call. That phone call from the family. Hey, how was your first meeting? Well, when the phone call came, it was awesome. We had to rise above ourselves. Because let me tell you why. While I was driving home, I felt the Lord say to me, Ants, you could have pulled the plug on this meeting and you could have gone home because nobody arrived. But I tested you and you stood the test of time. You preached the gospel. And the very next Sunday, we had our ones and twos started to come. And God never ever let us down. Some of the people that started out with us in Brackenfell are still there today. The gospel was preached and God started to break into people's hearts and lives and he started to build the church. And that's how it works. And I'm reminded here, I never want to lose the heart of the gospel. The good news of Jesus and what he has done for us and what he wants to do with us. And sir, ma'am, young person, professional people, wherever you find yourselves, you need to know that Jesus is not only interested in the salvation of your soul, he's interested in walking with you this side of eternity until he calls you. And he wants to represent himself in and through you to show people that he is alive and that he is real and that he's dependable and that he is trustworthy. But will you be the vessel to say, yes, Lord, use me. That's the heart of God as we go forward. And so as we, as we move forward with this, this is one of the things as the gospel breaks in, it's one of the reasons why we regularly encourage gatherings on a Sunday, because God moves with us here. We come together on a Wednesday night. We get into com groups. It's, the Bible says that they meet daily. We meet once in a week for two hours. It's a place where we give our lives, and God could do something in you. You could say something that could change someone's life. They could say something that could change your life. And so we give ourselves, and that's where God grows us, and He matures us, and we're bringing in people, and they're experiencing life. They experience us living the Bible, because that's what we see. They got together, and they ate in one another's homes. I'm so excited going to Holland, because I got a message from my host last night. We're hosting you, and it's, we've got three kids and a puppy of nine weeks old. We've never hosted before. And I'm like, hey, I'm like so super chillaxed. I'm a granddad for a week. And I'm thinking toffee apples, boy, for those three kids on that side. They are going to get carnage when we get there. We're going to have fun. All right. And that's what it's about. And that's how God works with us. Anyway. All right. So when you become a Christ follower, we come under the authority of Jesus and each one year, regardless of their background, their social status, etc., we are all equal before the Lord. We're equal before Him, and He has reached out to us, and He's now calling you and I to reach out to others. It doesn't matter what your background is. You need to know that God is calling you to reach out to others and to disciple them and make sure you're being discipled as well. And I think what's important this morning is that we are commanded to teach I said to you, use the word teach. Now, what does that mean for us? Teach what? Very good question. Thanks again for asking. So the Bible tells us we've got to teach about salvation, water baptism, 
infilling of the Holy Spirit, I hope that we have served you well as a leadership team and those that have come in, that every saint sitting here who loves Jesus knows how to do that in your simple simplicity, in a way that you can tell people about Jesus, why they need to get saved, that you can pray that they need to repent of their sins, as was a word brought here, asking God for forgiveness and to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The next thing is, they should be told, once they get saved, the next thing for you to do is to get water baptized, because that's a sign inwardly that God has changed you, and you're identifying yourself with Him, and therefore, amongst a group of witnesses, you're willing to lay your life down and say, I am a Christian, I love Jesus, and I'm prepared to make a statement, and boy, you're sending it into the heavenly realms as well that you belong to Jesus and the third thing is and this is the third part of the starter pack for a Christian is that you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power to do the work of the ministry and we don't get stuck there but every single one of you who is a Christ follower needs to be able to do this all right and so if you're not sure please chat to your common group leaders but then we also need to uphold the greater truths of what the Bible teaches us what does the Bible say about marriage? What does the Bible say about getting drunk? What does the Bible say about substance abuse? What does the Bible say, um, you know, about work? Do you know that in Genesis, from the very beginning, there are people that need to know that are sitting here and saying, I want to work to a place of total financial freedom. Let me tell you, nowhere in the Bible does it teach us that. It teaches us that we, Adam was put in the garden and he would work and tend to it. And that's what God designed for you and I all our lives. Change your mind. Lord, thank you for work. And, and love him as you do that. So we're commanded to teach these things. But I want to show you a couple of other truths in the commission as well. Mark 16, verses 15 to 18 says the following. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creations. We've spoken about it. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, and they will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes. I want to stop there. I want to tell you, this literally happened to me. I was in Madagascar. I've been there 10 times. And one day, we're walking along, and the next thing, there was a snake. Fortunately, I've got to be honest, and I'm going to confess this. I know there's no poisonous snakes in Madagascar, so I saw the snake, and I ran after it, and I picked it up. And I said, I'm living what the Bible teaches. <laughs> and the actual going, whoa. <laughs> so it says, pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. This is stuff that you and I should be doing. All right. And so, so it's important. Luke 24, 47. And it says the following. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And Jerusalem represents Dimville Central here this morning. This is the place that when we go from here, we go into our places of influence that the gospel goes out from us here and impacts areas of influence. And so we need to realize that God is calling you and I not to limit it just to salvation, baptism, and infilling of the Holy Spirit. But if we've got people that are sick, people that I need, you be the eyes, ears, hands, feet, and mouth of Jesus to the people around us. That's what God is calling you and I to. And so I want to encourage you. There's this cliche saying that says, that says, knowledge is power, or it says, uh, knowledge is power. But Dale Carnegie, funny enough, makes a statement. He says, um, knowledge that is applied is power. 
And so we can get all the knowledge in the world, but if you just leave it here and it, and it doesn't move to here, it's just knowledge. We need to apply what we hear here. And I'm telling you, some of you people that are sitting here today are going to do greater things than some of the leaders that are operating here because you're willing to step up and have a go and pray for people and trust God to move powerfully in their circumstances. And so I'm really trusting that God's going to stir you up to really hunger to be used mightily. I was chatting to somebody earlier on. You know, when you are in a work environment and the boss is totally against what you believe, man, pray that the tr company will get into trouble. And then you trust God and say, right, now I'm going to pray that God will move powerfully and respond and be a Joseph in that context and see God move. Can you imagine what the boss would do or if the finances of the company is turned around because you are there? That's how God works. And so you need to know you're there for a reason. Be available to be used by God. And I think what's important here as well, some truths are better caught than taught. And then others are taught rather than caught. And so we want to teach. We want to teach about the rich things of God. But at the same time, do you know where people catch it is when they watch us. When they watch us, when we worship and we have dinners in one another's homes, the truth being lived out is then caught by people rather than taught. And that's why it works both ways. Are we all good? All right. So, this is why we go into the nations, all right? And it's very important. Um, we need to know that we're going from this place because we are being sent to make a difference. And um, I want to say to you that, in essence, each one of us is apostolic by nature. We're not apostles, but we're apostolic by nature. When we finish today, I'm sending you out into the world. And I'm saying to you, go and make disciples. Do what Jesus taught that makes us apostolic by nature, meaning we are sent ones. All right. We need to go into our neighborhoods. We need to go to our neighbors, our workplace, our sports environments, mom's groups, dad's groups, school functions, etc. We need to get into places where we can have influence so that the gospel moves in us and moves through us. And be ready to, to pray for the sick, to give hope for those that are lost and those that are broken. Who knows what God might do as you step up there. And then as disciples of Christ, as I said earlier on, you've got to learn to handle the basics of faith. Leading people to Christ, water baptizing them, praying for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, encourage regular church attendance. And can I even go as far as to say, if they're not part of a church, you invite them to our meetings on a Sunday and then say to them, afterwards, let's go for lunch together. Hang, spend time, do life together. That's what people respond to. All right. So our response to Jesus, whose authority we fall under, is also one of obedience. And so as we hear this great commission, and as we go from this place, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. People say, I love you, Jesus. But then we don't do the things that he's called us to do. And, and we need to be challenged in this area of our lives. I, I think we, we cannot stand back. I think that word that was brought, we need to know we're in a battle. The enemy wants you to keep quiet. He doesn't want you to give up. He doesn't want you to share things with people. But we are in a battle, and we need to respond with obedience, even if it makes us uncomfortable. All right. It says that we are really, truly captivated and caught by Jesus. And so... I felt like the Lord was really wanting to challenge us as a church today and this year going forward. There's no place for spectatorship. There's no place for complacency. 
We will do life with Jesus, and the overflow is that we will enjoy one another. And we are going to have wonderful stories to tell, and we already do. But at the end of the day, the reason why we meet is so that we can worship Him, be equipped by Him, and sent out so we can reach a lost and dying world. And God needs you and I to respond accordingly. So as we make ourselves available, you're not doing this on your own. We have the help of God. I want us to have a look at Acts 1 verses 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. As we just leave that there, Jerusalem, I mentioned, is D.C. today. When we leave this place, we're going to go. It's like a pond that is clear, and I take a pebble, and I chuck it in. And what happens is it goes, bloop, and then you've got those circles that move out, right? We start here. We're discipling one another. God works like that. The person on your left, right, and in the front of you, in the back of you, God has handpicked your brother and sister here for you. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. God's chosen them for you. And some of you are going to get up each other's noses. Trust me. And I would be surprised if I didn't get up your nose at some point. But you know what? Look at it and see God actually using the person to shape your character and your nature so that you can be fashioned more and more into the likeness of Jesus. But let's not get stuck here. We need to have an outward focus of God wanting to reach out to the greater ends. So for me, from Jerusalem, from D.C., into our suburbs, into the Western Cape, across border, into our nation, and into the nations of the world. That's what God is calling you and I to. Have that mindset. Be ready to go for the King. Right. As I'm slowly now going to start landing. As we are on this journey, and I felt like the Lord highlighted this for me, we need to live whole and get healed while on the journey. And I feel I need to bring this. I felt that the Lord is wanting us to deal with an issue in the church currently. We come, we, we come to church meetings because we hope and trust that people will experience Jesus here. That's really, I, I really trust and believe that that's what people are experiencing when they walk through the doors. I know that people feel there's a sense of family. But they need to experience Jesus here. But I also felt that the Lord reminded me for some of us, where you have got hurt, where you have been broken, where you have felt lost, he brings you into a household and into a family. And then God says, you will find your healing as you reach out and you disciple others. You will find your healing as you go and you do the things that I've called you to do, because that's how God works. And I honestly can testify to that, because if I look at my background and what I come from, if I had to wait for God to deal with all of those things first, before um, I, I, I moved on and served Him, I probably wouldn't be standing here today. God heals you on the job. He heals you while you're giving yourself to the things of Him. Position yourself and be ready to be used by him. Picture that I felt that the Lord showed me as well. Just to back this up, my daughter had a, a Caesar, so she had the prim baby. And I'm, I know that many folk here will be able to relate to that, that have had children and that. But the interesting thing is when, when the doctors have worked with her, one of the things that they'll say within about seven or eight hours after the operation, as soon as you're able to, you need to start moving. All right, And the purpose of the hospital is they don't want you to be there indefinitely. They want you to get healed. And they want you to, to be able to 
open up a bed and actually by you moving around, your body's uh, body functions are starting to work. There's blood flow. Healing starts to take place. They can release you. And it's a constant thing. You don't lay there and stay there. You actually need to move, and that's how the healing comes. And it ties very much in what I believe God wants to do with the church. We need to be able to go with our warts and all and trust God to heal us on the journey. Just go. All right. And so I'm going to start landing here. God is requiring us to be fruitful. I want us to look at John 15, verses 8 and verses 16. It says the following. As we go on God's mission... He says, this is to my Father's glory. This is what honors God, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the heart of God. Verses 16 says the following, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I want you to look at the person on your left and right and say, God chose you. And it says, God appointed you. Say to the person, God appointed you. And it says to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. You see, God is calling you and I to be fruitful. What does that fruitfulness look, for, look like for you and I? Good question. Number one is that you and I grow up in the things of God. We mature. We grow up in spiritual things. Our character and our nature starts to change. If you were swearing, you stop swearing. Or you're swearing less and eventually hopefully it dissipates. There are some of the things that you would be doing that you know that displeases the Lord. And what happens is those things start to stop and they fall away. All right? And so there's personal growth and development that takes place in us as Christ followers as we give ourselves to the things of God. But then the next part comes is... God also wants you and I to be fruitful in who we win for Jesus. That means that we should start to see numbers increase because we're giving people the opportunity and the hope to respond to the gospel. You can't save anybody, but Jesus can. Often I put out and I say, bring your unsaved friends, your unchurched friends, because I don't know what God is going to do with them when they come here on a Sunday morning. But I want to encourage you, give them opportunity because you know what? When you're standing at a funeral and that person has lost their life, you might be sitting there going, I wish I'd just told them about Jesus because I don't know where they're going today. And trust me, it's very sobering when that happens. And so our hearts are, Lord, we're trusting for you to be uh, bringing us into a place as a congregation that we will be fruitful. I have one question I would like to ask you. Looking back over the last year, who has come and joined the kingdom of God because of you and I sharing the gospel? If you have not got one person, this morning I'm asking you, the five people that you shouted out, we need to trust that God will bring them in because then we're doing what the Great Commission tells us to. And we're on the runway. How we live this Great Commission. The gospel is preached and live boldly through every saint here. And we trust the Holy Spirit to empower us as we serve his purposes. We tell others about our story and how God has been kind to us. That's what people need to hear. They can identify with that. Do life with people and live with conviction. Do you know that when people see you saying, I'm going to com group, I'm going to Sunday meeting, they see that you're serious and you're real about your love for Jesus and the love for his local church. We need to be a people that get rid of our excuses and position ourselves for the things of God, and do life together. Have a genuine care and a love for people. 
But can I say to you, don't get in the way of what God wants to do in their lives. Allow God to deal with them, but you show them love and care as they come with you. I've asked you to pray, God to show you five people, and I want to encourage you to pray for those five people, and I want you to be bold, and I want you to start sending invites to them to come to our meetings. And then with that, ask God to help you be a beacon of hope in your area of influence. Listen to what people are battling with. Listen to their pain. Understand their struggles. Identify where they're at, and then ask them, can I pray for you? Even if they are the most unsaved Philistine that you ever meet, say to them, can I pray for you? Because my God is bigger than your problem. Live by faith and love on them on that basis. Be present. Show up. You don't know what God's going to do when you are there. And then as a church, as I land here, we are not going to be pew warmers. This year, as com groups, we are planning that the con congregations will go out to other congregations or comms will go to other congregations and we're going to take whole comms and go and just be a blessing and support the other congregations. The other thing is I want you, I'm going to send out information on all the training times that there are around the country and we're going to try and get a few of us to go up and just be a part of and support. So I want to say to you, yes, let it cost you a little bit financially. All right? Let it take a bit of your leave. Take a long weekend. But make your life count. And then some of you, I want to really employ you today. Will you make yourself available to even go on a mission trip overseas with one of the teams that you can just be a part of it? Spend a bit of money and go into the nations. That's what God wants of us. Today, the line is drawn in the sand. Today, we're not doing church any longer like we used to do. Today we're saying, Jesus, we're getting on your mission, the Great Commission, and we are going to go and make disciples. And in Isaiah 6, he says the following. He says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. And I want to tell you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand. But don't stand because I'm asking you to stand because it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. But I promise you today, as I stand here, it's the most amazing adventure to give yourself to, to the things of God. If you're ready to go and you're saying, Lord, you take me, warts and all, here I am, send me. I want you to stand. Father, I want to thank you for the men and women that are standing today. Oh God, let this burn in our hearts. There's a dying and a broken world out there. They need to hear the gospel. As we stand, Lord, all of us, we want to respond to your great commission. God, we need your help. I want to pray, God, for boldness and courage to come upon the church now in the name of Jesus. That, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would move so powerfully over every man, every woman, and every young person here, and even over our children, that through our children who are in, um, Josh and kids, Lord, that through their lives, families will be touched and reached. Father, we're trusting you today that as we go from this place, that you will use us in our areas of influence. 
that you will use us in the workplace. You'll use us on the sports field. You'll use us, Lord, in mom's groups and dad groups, at birthday parties, whatever we give ourselves to, Lord. Lord, we don't want to be weird. We just want to be a people that just radically love you, are so in love with you, and want to see others get saved and healed. And so I want to pray, Lord, that we would be like a healing bomb wherever we go. Lord, that people, when they are in our company, would experience an incredible peace, yet an incredible zeal, an excitement, and a passion, and a boldness, and a courage that, Lord, would, I want to say, draw them. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that right now you move over us. Lord, today... We do not want to continue doing church like we've done in the past. Today, we want to get on your mission. I pray today you'll open up doors for people to go and be a part of church plants. For people that will be willing to sacrifice a weekend and a day or two's leave to go and be a part of some of the equipped times around the country. And then I want to pray, Lord, that you'd stir up a hunger and a thirst for people here to say, Lord... I'll pay for my ticket and I want to go into the nations, cross border, into Europe, America, South America, Australia, New Zealand. I pray by the power of your holy name, Lord, that you come and you shift something in our midst this morning. Lord, that we as a church will not be a stinky pond, but Lord, that we'll be a church that's like a flowing river that will go wherever you send us. We thank you for that now. We, we have faith for this today. And with that, Lord, we trust that you will grow this body as well. Increase us, Lord, in character and nature. And, Lord, increase us with numbers. We pray this in your precious name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Bless you guys. Amen.